Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, we are headed to wine country. Yes, that's right. Northern California, Sonoma Raceway is where we're headed for the third road course race of the 2021 season. Sounds kind of weird saying that, but that is the main focus of this episode. We're going to be looking at Different values in the winner's section, but similar names to what we've called out. So hang tight to hear about what that means. Then in the top 10 section, we are looking at some good value there as well. With an apology to a driver that we're going to be taking in that area, as well as a good prop that we're calling out. Then finally, we'll go to the head-to-head section where we're trying to keep our hot streak alive we are red hot so you're joining us at a great time if this is the first time you've ever heard the podcast then after the picks are done we're gonna go to phil's fired up section i've got a hodgepodge of different things i want to complain about maybe call it wine about on this episode of the podcast so hang tight there we're gonna be talking about really issues with sports books uh, as well as a couple other things. Maybe a Belmont pick. Belmont Stakes coming up this weekend. Um, so we're just throwing a bunch of random stuff in the Phil's Fired Up section at the end. But first, we have a lot to recap. We had a hell of a Sunday of racing with the Indy 500 and Coke 600. So I'm really not quite sure where to start. I guess we'll go in chronological order. We'll start with the Indy 500. I gave out some picks last week for that race just because you know it's the biggest race of the indycar season it's you know as big as the daytona 500 so you had to call it out and i thought that the race itself i'm someone who does not watch indycar i don't know too much about it but i thought the race itself was very entertaining i was not expecting that much passing especially for the lead those guys would jump out in front of each other non-stop and um couldn't shake off the the people in second third fourth and so on. So I thought the race itself was pretty interesting. Had some bad beats going with the bets that we threw out there. Um, the the one that was the killer was the Pato Ward top three bet. He was in the top three until the very last lap, and then Pagano passed him really on like the last couple turns. So that was a killer. He was uh, kind of going to take over my fandom, the IndyCar circuit but uh not to be i mean he really let me down um then you know the two of the main guys rossi and dixon were completely shocked early when they had a a bad situation going on with their fuel it was interesting to learn more about any car you know one the fact that they push their fuel so much that it completely screws up their car to the point where they can't even get it started and totally messed up their race and then they were lapped down 
And what I learned in IndyCar was if you're a lap down, it is not like NASCAR. Your race is pretty much over at that point. You can't get that lap back unless you're going to race your way. So that was very interesting to see them deal with it. But it was a killer because, as I called out on the Insta stories, we had the ability to bet on lead lap finishes for the IndyCar race. And I put together a parlay of favorites, Dixon and Rossi being two of the four. And of course, those two had the struggles on pit road. So that was a killer as well. But uh, in any case, it was a very fun race to watch. You know, the the four-time champion, Helio Castroneves, uh, really stole the show there. So very interesting. He was battling the younger guys. So yeah, it definitely seems like IndyCar's got some good stuff going on over there. And I would watch another race if I were to happen to catch that on a Sunday afternoon. So good stuff there. Not good for the bets, but that's not really why we're here. So let's get to why we're here, though, because NASCAR, when we flipped the switch later that night, the Coke 600 took over. And it's kind of a situation where I did well on the bets in, in my own personal case. So I don't care if the race was boring. Um, had an awesome gambling night. The picks that we called out on the podcast did fairly well, as well as the Insta story picks. So let's just kind of take it back uh, to the beginning here. I'd have to say that qualifying played a huge factor in this one. Seeing these guys get out there and qualify, I instantly threw some picks out there on social media. You know, Chevy, I think I said, is an absolute must take. You had to take that prop bet. Got them at plus 105. Hendrick Motorsports got them at plus 135. Um, it was a must. And, you know, I had mentioned in the pick section for the winners that I typically go with my birthday pick, the five car, worked out for me in that case. Uh, it was the five car plus 500 in the month of May. Just all made sense there. Uh, so, obviously, Larson ran away with it. A lot of people thought that was a pretty boring race because of it. But, hey, you know, when you're picking winners, it's okay uh, in my book, we had a, a couple of top 10 picks, Tyler Reddick and Alex Bowman we threw out on the podcast, plus Austin Dillon on social media. Felt really good there. And then our full tank face-off against uh, our friend Nick. Uh, we will touch more on that in the head-to-head section, but did very well there as well. So interesting uh, layout to the race, though, when you're looking at it and you're taking gambling out of it. Hendrick dominance continues. And it's the 750 package. It really seems like Hendrick has focused on that. So more people than not said it was a boring race. Uh, 51% said they did not think it was a good race. And, you know, I can't say that that's surprising to see when a guy dominates four stages, not three stages, four. I didn't even look at what that prop was. Usually the prop is around plus 450 to win both stages and the race. But, um, I didn't see what four stages was going to cost you or, or get you. The odds were concerned. Uh, so I could see why people would say it was a, a bad race. But Hendrick, they're just on it right now. And I don't see an end in sight, really. I mean, we're going to talk about them, I guess, in a little bit, a few different ways. But when you're looking at the races that are coming up, well, you know, Sonoma has uh, Hendrick written on it a little bit there. Then, you know, the all-star race is the all-star race. But then you go to... Pocono, I mean, Nashville's thrown in there, so that's kind of a wild card. But Pocono is a track that Hendrick had dominated throughout the 2010s. So it's really going to continue. And the 
debate right now is about whether or not it matters. You know, you have these other guys that Penske and JGR may be focused on the 550 packages because they're the playoff tracks. It's really tough to gauge, but I guess we'll have to let the season play out to see and then go back and review what worked and what didn't. But all we can say is from a gambling perspective, Hendrick is hot right now and we got to ride this wave. There's no reason not to. So um, hats off to them. They took the all-time win total for team wins from the Petty Enterprises. So Hendrick is on top. They are, in fact, I sometimes I describe them to my friends as the New York Yankees of NASCAR. Well, I think uh, we can officially say that that is the case, whether you're a Yankees fan or not, or a Hendrick fan or not, um, just how it is. So we will uh, keep our eyes peeled for them this weekend on bets because they're just red hot. You can't stop them right now. So with that, let's look forward to Sonoma. We'll try to keep everything that we have going on with the positive momentum in these bets and these wins and try to project it forward. You know, we, we looked back. Everything's going good. Now it's time to go out west to wine country and Sonoma. And so this is a racetrack they haven't been to in a couple of years. COVID canceled the race last year. And that's going to play a big factor in a lot of the different things we talk about on you know these picks later in this episode. No matter what section we're in, whether it's the winter race or top tens, especially head-to-heads, actually, the ones that I've called out, that's where it's really going to play a factor. But, you know, there's been a, a big gap here. So how are these guys going to play it? And there is no qualifying this week. So we don't get to see what we did the last couple weeks where we get a glimpse of practice and, and who's good and who's not. So let's take a look at the track stats. Seven road courses this year, and these track sets are going to you know kind of blend together. Um, but the more road courses we have, so this will be the third, we'll start to gather data this season more and more and more. So the next course I think we have is the 4th of July race at Road America. Um, we're going to have more of a book on some of these guys that don't have much. But for the most part, the numbers, no matter what road course you go to, are pretty similar. And Sonoma's not any different there. So 31 races in the history of NASCAR at Sonoma. The winner has started on the pole five times, but it's been a very long time. Jeff Gordon, back in 2004, was the last time we had a pole winner uh, win the race. But the other numbers are pretty normal. So we had winners starting in the top five 52% of the time and starting in the top 10 71% of the time. So I can tell you right now, the guys that we're talking about to win the race are all starting within the top 10 and that fits the bill. I mean, that's exactly really what we see for the most part. Nothing new there, nothing crazy. Um, starting outside the top 20, it's only happened in the two times in the history of road courses in NASCAR and both of them were at Sonoma. So they were like 34 and 33, I think it was, um, were the starting positions of those guys. And the last time it happened was Kyle Busch in 2008. So again, a while since it's happened there as well. So not really much of a trend here, just something I think that's kind of interesting to call out. So as far as manufacturers concerned, Toyota, within the last 10 races, they've got the advantage, five wins, Ford has two, Chevy has two, and Dodge has one, which is pretty funny to think about because you've got one race here every year. So when you're looking at the last 10 races, it's really going back a decade. We're not talking about like these other tracks. Most of the time we're going to their tracks twice a year. 
So 10 races is only five years. Uh, but at a one track, one race per year like this one, we're talking a long time ago. So Dodge was still in the picture, which I find pretty funny. But then the other thing is, let's take a look at some of these winners. So when you look at the winners of the last 10 races, three of them aren't even in the sport anymore. And then if you go all the way back to the last 15 races at Sonoma, there's only four race winners that are still active today. Now, I think part of that is the fact that Truex has multiple wins in that time span, but still only four winners that are active of the last 15 races. That is just a wild stat. I think it's Kurt Busch, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, and Martin Truex Jr. So very interesting there to even think about it. Now, the big question when we're talking about strategy for this week is what matters more to you? Is it the experience at this racetrack and the stats that you're seeing at this racetrack? Or is it the overall road course experience and the road course numbers that somebody is putting up? So this is a rare instance where we've got a lot of data on a road course. Sonoma and Watkins Glen are the, the two. We've got completely green tracks this year, as we saw a couple weeks ago with Coda. That's a tough thing to try to put out there. We're going to do it a couple more times with the Indy Road Course and, and Road America, like we said. But here, it's a decision to make. You know, what do you hold in a higher regard? And it's a thing that we'll talk about as we go through it. It's just kind of on you as the gambler to make that decision. So looking at Sonoma, we've got Truex. Talked about him being a uh, multi-winner here. He's won the last two races, 2018 and 2019. He's currently going off at plus 400 to win the race. And that is not the favorite, which is surprising on any other racetrack, but uh, we will talk about the winner. So let's get to the picks to win the race because I'm not going to choose Truex this time around. I'm going to start with uh, no surprise, the favorite. I mean, let's talk about it because it's it's curious. Chase Elliott is going off various numbers here, but the best value you can get him on is DraftKings at plus 225. This is a, I'll call it the curious case of Chase because this really puts a spotlight on that situation that I just talked about, Sonoma versus road course experience, because his numbers at Sonoma are not great. And you know, there could be a reason for that. I mean, we haven't been here in a couple of years, and he's really come into his own as a road course racer recently. But let's just take a quick peek. I mean, he's been here four times in his career, and he's got one top five, two top tens. His average finish is 17.5. Last time he was out here, an engine trouble, finished 37th. So not a good memory. Got to shake that taste out of your mouth. His best finish came in 2018, which was a fourth place finish. So then you're looking at driver rating. He's only been here four times, but this is in the time span of six races compared to everyone else. His driver rating is actually pretty solid here. It's sixth compared to everyone, 89.4. So, you know, the question is, does that scare you at all? You know, those numbers, I mean, some of them good, the driver rating solid, but the rest, eh, kind of iffy. Does that scare you when you're, if you're going to place this bet, you're only getting plus 225. That's the question. 
We know about his road course success. I mean, if you want me to go over it real quick, I will. Driver rating, this is talking about the last 10 races on any road course. Driver rating is first, 125.2 in the last 10. Average finish is first, 7.4. Six wins, seven top fives, eight top tens. I mean, how could you not want to bet on somebody like that? But the question remains, you know, do you take Sonoma that seriously? Do you think that Chase just has something at Sonoma that's not going to play in his favor. But I think that I'm going with Chase this weekend. I actually know. I already took him. Uh, but my reasoning for it is because he's really emerged as the road course force. I keep saying every podcast we get to one of these, he hasn't given us a reason not to take him yet. So I will continue to do so. And if you look at his drive rating at Sonoma, the last two races, okay, this is including a race where he finished 37th. His last two races, his driver rating actually shoots up to 102.0, which is good enough for fourth out of everyone in that time span. And that's with a 37th place finish. So crazy stat there. And he's starting second. So he's not on the pole because I think the pole has some sort of like, I don't know, hex on it right now. That's a perfect place for the nine car to start. So plus 225, I'm going to spend a lot more money than I'm used to on a driver to win the race. But I think Chase is worth it in this case. I think he overcomes those Sonoma obstacles. So now let's get a little bit more value, right? We want to talk about some other guys. I'm going to hit you with a, a couple guys, kind of short, medium, and long. All right. So Chase was the short odds. Let's go to Kyle Busch at plus 800 with the medium odds. Now, I'm taking Kyle here because I'm looking for some more value than we're getting with Truex. Like I said, he's plus 400, and I think Kyle is just performing great right now. So to get him at plus 800 is pretty solid. Um, if you're looking at the JGR group, I mean, we know that Truex is great here, but like I said, the, the name of the game right now is more value. So his numbers are better at Sonoma than they are when you compare him to like all road courses in his last six races his driver rating is third here 102.3 his last 10 races his average finish is fifth 14.7 with one win that came in 2015 four top fives five top tens so really solid here now i want to dissect something a little bit more let's look at his last five races let's isolate that those finishes in his last five were second place last time we were here fifth fifth seventh and first that is very good five straight top 10 finishes for kyle bush including that victory and that's second place i mean that was the last time we were here so pretty good and then if you look at 2021 everyone would say he kind of started slow i mean i saw i was reading somebody's post on uh, social today saying that he's having an average year and i think that's kind of what people have in the back of their heads because of the start, but he's really been doing well recently. And last week, he was the only one that could compete with Hendrick. I mean, he broke up that party they had in the top five, trying to make it the top four again. He was the only one that could really go for them. And I know that's not a road course, but if you go back to Coda, he was leading the race and he was caught, you know, with the fuel strategy and just didn't work out, but he was leading those laps and was the, the king there for a while. So, I don't consider Kyle a bad road course racer. I mean, he's got wins. So especially, you know, looking at Sonoma, he knows what victory lane looks like. In all of road courses, his driver rating is fifth compared to everyone. He starts fifth on Sunday. JGR historically is just very good at this racetrack. So 
Kyle, I think, is your better value here. And his stats back it up. So plus 800, lock me in for the 18 car. So the last guy I'm going to take right now in the winner's section is going to be a name that we have called out before, but never, ever at these odds. It's Kevin Harvick. He, earlier today, was going off at plus 2,200. This is Wednesday when I'm recording this. Now, as I sit Wednesday night, he has gotten shorter, plus 1,800. So somebody at DraftKings... You know, got wise, but still plus eighteen hundred. When was the last time you could say that you took Kevin Harvick to win the race at those odds? You can't. It's been a very long time. I mean, if ever. And I think it's a situation where the odds are finally starting to correct themselves and reflect the performance on the racetrack. I mean, you know, Harvick and Stuart Haas, they're just not getting it done. Harvick itself, yeah. I mean, they're they're top tenning themselves each week, but they're not competing really for the win. So finally, the odds make it more fun to take Kevin Harvick. So I am all over this at plus 1800. This is the longest we're probably ever going to get, especially if he goes out and he has a hell of a race. So let's look at Sonoma because his numbers at this track will surprise you. Because when you think of this track, you're thinking, oh, Truex, back to back, right? No, it's Harvick, really. When you're going all the way back, I mean, average finish in the last 10 races is first compared to everyone, 7.7. One win in 2017. This wasn't that far ago. You know, it's only a few races ago. Four top fives, eight top tens. His driver rating, looking at the last six races, is first compared to everyone. And I call driver rating out in the last six because that's just the stat, the metric that the site that I use every week goes off of. So that's why I'm jumping from you know, last 10 races for average finish to last six races for driver rating. But last six races, 112.2. That is really good. And that's in a time span where Martin Truex has two wins. His average running position is second. So really good stuff here for a guy that you're getting at those really long odds. Five straight top six finishes. He finished sixth the last time we were here, then second and first the two times before that. So we're not talking about some, you know, off the beaten trail person that is a, a real long shot here. This is somebody who has got it done and could get back on track. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, the home cooking. I mean, this could be it. Maybe this is the track that Harvick and that four team get it together. I don't know. All road courses, his numbers are still working for you. His driver rating compared to everyone is fourth, 93.5. His average finish is fifth, 10.8. So that's everything considered. So he is a road course racer, and that's for sure. In 2021, he finished sixth at the Daytona road course. So this is a value that you're, you know, really, this is a steal. You can get this for a song. If he goes out and wins, my goodness, we are going to be dancing, dancing into the all-star break. So lock me in for this number. And it probably will go down because if it jumped that much, in just a few short hours. I don't know what it'll be on race day, but I'm liking it still at plus 1,800. So just to recap, it's Chase, the nine car, Kyle Busch in the 18, and Kevin Harvick in the four. Lock it in and raise your glass to those. All right, all right, all right. Now we will move on to the top 10 and prop section because I do have one prop that I just want to call out later. But starting with some top 10, and we've got some great value in this section and we're going to start with a driver that, 
you know, I've got a complicated gambling relationship with right now. I just cannot quit him. It's Kurt Busch. He's going off at plus 160. It's just too good to resist. Let's talk about him because I, I can't get over him. It's just too crazy. Charlotte, it sucked. We were over the moon for the one car, and I was just begging on this podcast. Just let me see that team complete a race. I just need to be able to see it. And, of course, they couldn't do it. It's just really mind-numbingly frustrating to not be able to see that car just finish, you know, finish the race when you've got something good going on and you're taking them, you know, and as a gambler, finishing the top 10, it sucks. So typically I'd be like, you know, I'm done with this guy, but we're going to a course that I think he has potential and the stats back it up. And I have a real reason why I'm still on this horse. So he's got great stats to start in his last 10 races. His average finish is second compared to everyone on the circuit, 9.0. He had a win in 2011. That was when he was with Dodge, I believe. He was that one driver for Dodge. Four top fives, seven top tens. Okay. Driver in his last six races was fourth, 101.5. That's right. We're talking about Kurt Busch recently. All right. This isn't like his career back in like 2007. No, this is the last five races here. Now, this is the pinnacle for me with Kurt Busch. When you're digging into his stats, the thing that is just so cool with him as a driver, you hear people call guys wheel man, right? They say, oh, that guy's a wheel man. He can, he could drive anything with four wheels. Well, Kurt Busch is kind of that definition at this racetrack because he has had success with so many different teams, he won here driving for Penske back in 2011. Then driving the number 51 for Phoenix Racing, he finished third. Okay, that was a shitbox that he was driving. Then everyone remembers Martin Truex Jr.'s success with Furniture Racing, but it was really Kurt Busch, uh, probably, I believe. Regan Smith, maybe a little bit, but Kurt Busch was the one who really brought that team some momentum. He finished fourth here driving that 78 car. He moved to Stuart Haas Racing, then when he finished second, seventh, and sixth. So those are all top 10 finishes with so many different teams. So the fact that he's able to do that tells me, like, why can't he do it with Ganassi, even on a down year? You know, he did it with Phoenix Racing, third place. Chip Ganassi Racing is multiple steps above that, even in a year where they're struggling. In 2021, he finished fourth at the Daytona Road Course. He had a wreck at Coda, the most you know, played wreck that week after, where he just couldn't see. He hydroplaned into the, through the, the turn into the marbles and, and dirt. Um, no fault of his own. I mean, that was the fact that nature just took over, and he literally could not see out of his windshield. So I'm not blaming him for that wreck at Coda. So I love this pick. He needs to be able to race a full race. His average running position is first, 12.5 at Sonoma. I mean, that, all of those things, you know, if he's able to put that race together, I think we're going to see this one car back in the top 10 and we'll be cashing in for plus 160. So lock it in. This could be the end of our relationship, but if he goes out and does it, oh, baby, we're back. Next guy I'm going to mention, somebody I mentioned last week, but... I got to do it again, going back to the well, and it's a little bit different well because of the fact that it is road course racing, and it's Alex Bowman. He's minus 139, so not phenomenal value there, but I think he's worth 
your look. He's sneaky good at road courses. We're going to continue to say this about him all year because we got to do seven of these. But he's just still learning. And that's the scary thing about these younger guys like Bowman and Chase. When they're doing well, they're, they're just getting better and learning every step of the way. Since 2019's Roval race, where he finished second, he has five of six top 10 finishes. And that includes the clash. And in 2021, we've had two races on road courses. He's finished eighth and 10th. And so only four starts at Tonoma, but he does have a top 10 finish. That was ninth in 2018. He's starting seventh. We talked about the importance of starting up front in that top 10 at this track. So he's got the best starting position by far in his career at this racetrack. So you combine that with the fact that he's just learning road courses. He's clearly been better recently. I think that this guy, not only at top 10, I mean, top five maybe and uh shit i mean with the hendrick momentum chance to win the race who knows he's up there long odds i think like plus 2000 at least but um bowman all we need him to do minus 139 finish in the top 10 i really like alex bowman gonna have a, a microscope on him for these road course races really to see how he progresses as a driver and as someone that gamblers should take now, the last guy I'm going to call out. I owe an apology to this guy. All right. He was our king earlier in the year. And I am fully, fully sorry. My hand is up with Michael McDowell because going into Coda, I kind of trashed him. Like, I wasn't on purpose, but I had somebody message me on Instagram like, dude, what happened? You're, you're trashing our boy. That was your guy. And you know what? That person was right. But I did not realize that Michael McDowell had an extensive road course racing history. But the thing that I said was, you know, he had a top 10 at the Daytona road course, but he's just a different person at Daytona. Well, he went out and got it done again at Circuit of the Americas. And, you know, I have to apologize. He's one of only three drivers that had top 10 finishes both races this year. Alex Bowman was one of them. McDowell's another, and we'll talk about the third one in a second, but that's Michael McDowell. I mean, the other two guys, Bowman and the, the mystery guy we're going to talk about, big names, like big teams, big names. Michael McDowell is the other one. He's going off at plus 200 to do it again this weekend. Now, his stats at Sonoma, not good. Seven starts, his average finish is 26.7, his best finish is 14. So it would be quite a stretch for him to pull this off, but we're buying low here. I mean, like I said, value picks are what's available here to us in the top 10. And we say we're buying low because those stats are clearly why he's going off at plus 200, but three of his last four road course races, he's finished with a top 10. So, you know, he started 21st this weekend. That background that they keep talking about on the broadcast, he better use it this weekend. Need to keep that momentum alive and, you know, really shut me up because we're back on board with Michael McDowell, and this time it's plus 200. Let's do it. I mean, imagine if all three of these bets hit. That's going to be quite the payout for all of us. Now, the last thing that I'm going to call out is a prop. It's something you'll find in the driver prop or the team prop area of your sports book, no doubt. And it's the pick to say which team 
is going to win this weekend. Now, Hendrick Motorsports is obviously the favorite. They've got the pole sitter, Kyle Larson, the winner from last week, and then they've got the the king of the road courses, Chase Elliott, starting second. So obviously they are the favorite, plus 120. But I want to just talk about JGR because, I mean, I called out Kyle Larson, sorry, Kyle Busch, as someone I like to win the race, pretty decent value. But, you know, let's not skip completely over Truex. He is an absolute monster at this racetrack. Then you've got Denny Hamlin, who also is up there when we're looking at stats. Like, he's in top five and definitely top tens in pretty much every stat that we care about. So those are three major heavy hitters on road courses, but at this racetrack specifically. So JGR is going off at plus 160 compared to Hendrick's plus 120. A lot better value there. And then you got Christopher Bell you're throwing in there kind of for free. He's got one of the wins at these road courses so far in 2021. So I would really consider, if I were you, giving that prop a look uh, just because, you know, if it's not going to be Hendrick, I'd have to assume it's going to be JGR this week. So uh, plus 160 seems pretty fair to me with the roster of those drivers on road courses. We're going to be here all day. We're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. I like this kind of party, baby. So now we'll get to most people's favorite part of the podcast. This is the head-to-head section. But first, we have to say we've got a sponsor this week for this section, and it's Penn East Vineyards. Perfect time because it's the wine country race for NASCAR. Penn East Vineyards is the perfect wine if you're looking for great-tasting wine that does not break the bank. They've got a wide variety of different wines you could choose from, from Riesling, Winter White, to Kingfisher Red Blend and everything in between. Keep your eyes peeled later this year for their Cabernet 4 later this year. That's going to be a good one. Penn East Vineyards tastes like home. Now, this is a good week for me because we're coming off of the first ever full tank face-off against our friend, listener Nick, and we broke that down. We had him on last week. It was great to have him on, but I came out victorious 3-0. Uh, So it was a a great week. And in addition to that, the matchup that I chose during that faceoff was Stenhouse versus Newman. And you were able to get that, you know, for most of the week. And then once qualifying happened, they actually took that one away and made it Stenhouse versus Suarez. And even that hit. So you could take that on race day and and that even hit. So just an all-around good week for me. But Definitely appreciate Nick coming on. And if you want to come on and do, uh, you're listening to this, you want to do a full tank face off against me down the road at a race that you like, let me know on social media. We'll try to put that together. Now, we've got some good matchups this week and some really solid ones that we're not going to touch on, some big names, one, I should say, that we're not going to touch on. But we're going to start with a matchup of the Penske Powers, and this is. Joey Logano, minus 134, taking on Ryan Blaney, the underdog, good value, plus 100. So these are the two guys at Penske that are not dealing with drama, uh, but looking very close to each other when we're comparing their numbers. And it really just depends on what you like. So is it Sonoma background that you like, or is it the road course stats that you like? So we'll start with Logano. Last 10 races at Sonoma, he has two top fives, four top tens. His average finish is 13.8, which is fourth on the circuit. 
Driver rating his last six races, 84.9. That's seventh compared to everyone. So that's really great stuff at this racetrack, which is significant because as we're calling people out to place bets on, you know, it's kind of tough to find some people that are consistently decent here and have the stats in the top five and top 10 at this track. So something to kind of hang your hat on here if you are Logano. Then looking at his numbers on all road courses, he's also in the top 10 in most stats. So he's ninth in both driver rating and average finish. So solid all around for Joey Logano. Now he is the other driver, the third driver in 2021 to have top 10 finishes in both road course races and those finishes by the way were second at daytona road course and third at coda so very good stuff here 2021 and at sonoma now ryan blaney is the only driver in the last 10 road course starts to have a win not named chase elliott and martin truex jr that's pretty interesting to me uh he won that roval race the inaugural one back in 2019 So his general road course numbers are slightly better than what we mentioned with Logano just a second ago. So his average finish is 13.1. That's 7th. His driver rating is 10th, 84.9. His last 10 road course races, he has one win, four top fives, five top tens. So pretty solid on that count. But at Sonoma, he is not as great. Um, His average finish at Sonoma at 17.3, which actually is good enough for ninth on the circuit, but his drive rating 77.7. So the only thing good you could take away from that is maybe he's got lucky sevens going on and it's an absolute must bet. But um, the last time he was here, he finished third. So there's something there uh, that you could probably cling to, to say like, you know, maybe in the 12 car, he's only got two starts in the 12 car at this racetrack. So maybe things are a little bit better. And, you know, Look at those last two races. His driver rating improves as well. Head-to-head in the last four races, because that's all that we have here for Ryan Blaney, they're 2-2 two and two, head-to-head. Now, my pick is going to be Joey Logano. I know that Blaney, you know, everything we just laid out there makes sense. And the fact that you're getting value for Blaney actually makes sense. So I could understand why someone out there would want to take Blaney. But in my case, I think Logano is just the safer bet for everything that we've seen at Sonoma and this year even. I mean, it really stands out. Blaney is someone lately on the schedule, just has not really been much of a factor at all. So Logano is kind of just there. Like he's just like sneaking his way into these solid finishes. So minus 134 is not too steep for me. I'm going to go with Logano, the 22 car in this matchup. Now, the next guy that we're going to talk about, or the next matchup, rather, is going to be Cole Custer, minus 115, taking on Daniel Suarez, minus 115. So this is a matchup of limited data and even odds, really. And, you know, younger guys, I guess you could consider Daniel Suarez younger, uh, but Cole Custer, you know, no experience whatsoever. We'll get to him in a second. So we'll start with Suarez, Even Suarez, who seems like he's been around for a little while, he's been on multiple teams, he only has three starts at this track. His starts had finishes of 16th, 15th, and 17th. That's an average finish of 16.0. His driver rating, 74.9, which is good. It's not great. 
his last start was in the 41 car, which is pretty funny because that's the car that Cole Custer is in this weekend. It's just funny that it's been that long. So his road course stats for Suarez in his last 10 races, one top five, one top 10, five top 20s, which is significant in my opinion. His best finish was fourth. So that's something that, you know, is a big deal, I guess, in the psyche of a driver. He just has more experience. So the question is, what price do you put on that? I think that is a pretty big deal. Now, if you look at Cole Custer, he's got nothing at Sonoma. And the fact that the lower series don't come here at all, it could play a big factor here on some of these younger guys. We're going to talk about another one in just a second. But Custer, I don't consider Cole Custer like a road course, you know, expert or anything like that. He's got four road course starts, one top 10 finish. There was a ninth place finish. He has two top 20s, one DNF. He wrecked in the rain at Coda. So he has a a better driver rating on road courses in that time span uh, than Suarez. So there's something there. And they're tied one and one so far in the 2021 season. But my pick is going to be Daniel Suarez because we just have nothing to cling to here for Cole Custer. Like, I really don't understand if you are going to make a case for him, what you could say. It's just the experience matters, I think, in this particular matchup. Uh, so mark me down. The 99 car, keep it going here, minus 115. Now, the last one is kind of a, a similar story here, similar situation. It's a rookie going up against a lower-level team, but it's a veteran. This is Chase Briscoe, minus 115, taking on Chris Busher, minus 115. So Briscoe is a little bit different than Custer, I think you could say, because Briscoe has had a lot of success in the lower series on some road courses, from what I understand. I haven't dug too far into the details there, but I can remember him having some wins on road courses in the past. But this season, he's got two starts. His average finish is 19.0. He had a sixth place finish at Coda, which was more recent, and a 32nd at the Daytona road course. So I guess you could say, is that a little bit of momentum on the road courses, sixth place? I would say that that could be a little bit volatile. Like, do you really want to take a guy who's so hit or miss like that? And he's got absolutely nothing at Sonoma because the lower series don't come here. So very tough, again, for these rookies with no practice, no experience at all, you're just really going off of simulations and notes from the team and the other drivers on your team. Now you look at Chris Busher, who is pretty solid on road courses. So if you look at all road courses, the last 10 races, he's 15th in average finish on the circuit, 14.5, one top five finish, one top 10 finish. But here's the stat that's a kicker, 10 top 20 finishes. That's telling me that Chris Busher is able to keep it clean and finish the race and get a, a pretty solid finish here. And that's what we need here in a head-to-head -head matchup, especially against someone who has never seen the racetrack and could easily make a mistake and put themselves out of it. Four starts at Sonoma. His average finish is 19.3. Driver rating is 66.6. Uh-oh. 6.66. Mark of the Beast. Uh, we'll turn that around this week, I, I think. But in his last two races, his driver rating does improve, thank God, to 74.4. We get away from that 666. Uh, but he's finishing in mid-teens. And 
like we've talked about on previous episodes, when we're talking about head-to-head matchups, we're not asking these guys to, you know, go crazy and win the race. We just need them to finish ahead of the other person. And sometimes with these lower-level teams or lower-level drivers, B or C-level drivers, mid-teens is going to get this done. So I think it's another case of experience mattering, but clearly Chris Busher's, you know, proven that he can keep the car clean on road courses. And then you factor in the fact that Chris Busher is just having a better season overall, which is surprising. Chris or Chase Briscoe, not really getting it done so far. Meanwhile, Chris Busher and Roush, they're have they had another top ten last week. So on road courses this year, 11th and 13th, they've been right around it. So all of those reasons are why I'm choosing Chris Busher. I think this is a very good matchup for you as the gambler. Minus 115. I think that's going to change on race day, but we'll see. So Chris Busher, lock me in, minus 115. So to recap, it's that one, plus Joey Logano, minus 134, and Daniel Suarez, minus 115. Now, I just want to throw something in here. At the very end, kind of a, a random thought here, but you've heard me talk about the gambling gods from time to time. And, you know, I love the gambling gods and I also love the drink. So because we're going to wine country and red wine country, I figured I'd try to channel them a little bit here. So what I wanted to do was see if we could get anything from wine and the gambling gods to try to direct us to any certain driver. So went to the liquor store, okay? Looked through the cabs because, you know, Sonoma County is, is famous for the, the cabs as opposed to some of the other types of wine. So went to the Cabernet section and just started looking at bottles, trying to find one that said Sonoma on the bottle. And finally found one called Olima Sonoma Cabernet. And that's the one I found, right? So that's that's the thing that's calling my name. Okay, we got to go off of this. Now, my thought was when I found that bottle, Whatever that price point was, that number is going to tell us something. So I found that the price of that bottle was $24.99. So that's telling me that William Byron is being called upon by the gambling gods to go get it done, maybe to win the race. If you want to take it to that stretch, he's plus 1200 to win the race, I believe, on DraftKings. Uh, you might be able to get him at decent value elsewhere, but um, that would tell me that. So I also Googled this wine as well, just to see if there was any other price points out there. And my goodness, there were. Um, now, I guess I'm looking specifically at cabs, but you know they make a couple different types of wines. But I saw a few different prices for this wine, depending on where you're shopping. I saw $21.99, so that's Matt DiBenedetto. And I also saw $19.99, which is obviously Truex. So took those numbers down, right? Byron, DiBenedetto, Truex, and went on to the site, the, the sports book, to try to see if we could get any matchups. And by golly, we've, we've got a, a parlay here. So we could take Truex over Chase Elliott. He'd be plus 125 We've got Byron over Denny Hamlin. He's plus 100. And then DiBenedetto over Ross Chastain is minus 115. You put them together, that's plus 742. That's a hell of a payout. Obviously, a couple long shots in there. But, hey, maybe the gambling gods and the wine gods are speaking to us. So I figured I'd throw that out there for anyone who gets a kick out of that, you know, shoot for the moon and you'll hit the stars type of thing. 
Um, we'll see if that one lands. So a little bit crazy there, obviously, but hey, sometimes crazy pace. So we'll roll with it. We're going to end it here with a Phil's Fired Up section. Haven't had one in a while just because I've been lucky enough to have some people come on and talk with me on the podcast last few weeks. So got a lot to get off my chest. So a few different things about sports books. And then uh, we're going to touch on that Clint's, win Clint's money thing for Fox Sports. And then uh, we'll end it with a couple talk about the Belmont and uh, picks there because the Belmont Stakes, the final leg of the Triple Crown coming up here on Saturday. But let's talk about some sportsbook stuff to get it going here. So for the Indy 500, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, they allowed you to parlay. First of all, they allowed you to bet on lead lap finishers, whether the driver will finish on the lead lap or not, yes or no, which was something that I've been trying to get done on DraftKings and other sportsbooks uh, for NASCAR races. It just doesn't make sense with me. So I was able to place a bet there and then additionally was able to parlay it. And it was a very fun parlay to have. Obviously, it didn't work out, but still very confusing as to why IndyCar would have that type of bet and NASCAR on a week-to-week basis does not. So I messaged DraftKings support and they got back to me pretty quickly and and said, yeah, we're going to look into why that's not the case and check out the providers, kind of the standard cookie cutter answer, like get off my back. But they gave me a link to say, you know, DraftKings does, at least for the Coke 600, have the bet to bet the over under cars that finish on the lead lap. And I believe it was like 15.5, which is a really solid over under. And then it allows you to bet on the number of leaders that would take place um, in the race. So that was brand new to me. Now, the thing is, when I went to bet on it, it didn't allow me to see it because I believe Pennsylvania was restricting it. But the link that they sent me, I clearly saw it. It was in my like web app uh, browser. So DraftKings does have that ability out there if you're someone who uses that. Uh, I feel like I talk about them the most, but that's only because they have the most NASCAR options, I guess you could say, and, and early in the week to boot. So that's why I jock them so hard. But um, I don't have that ability. I'm still trying to get back to you know them and, and see why Pennsylvania users can't see that better, actually place it. But the message is clear. Like Just go in and, and see if you see something like that because it clearly varies state by state. Now, I've noticed this week that DraftKings has a little bit different of a layout. So I'm kind of crossing my fingers to see maybe because of this new layout, we'll get some different bets uh, this week. Maybe they finally saw the light and, and they're rearranging their UI to make room for some different bets as we come up. But we'll see. I think I might uh, not hold my breath on that one and and see how it works out. Now, let's move to FanDuel here because FanDuel, I've been pretty pumped up. They've had the ability to parlay top 10 picks, and we've been very successful in doing so up until Coda. And when Coda rolled around, it did not allow us to do it. Coke 600, same thing. So I was pretty fed up with that. So I messaged them as well. 
and I got an interesting response back. It wasn't a cookie cutter response. I just said, hey, you know, I used to be able to take these bets and parlay them together. Why can't I do that anymore? And the response was, it depends race by race, whatever the race market is. That's what determines whether or not you're going to be able to parlay it. They did say that they would take that back, that essentially a product suggestion back, and try to see what they can do on their end. But I responded and asked the question, so I'm just supposed to check in each week to see if it's possible. And the guy said, yeah, pretty much. It depends on where the race is and the, the state that it's in, which I found extremely interesting, confusing that it's not a uniform thing at this point because NASCAR is its own governing body. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, it's worth checking. And, and I'll be letting people know via Instagram stories uh, if that is a possibility and to go out and take those bets when we see them. So hopefully we catch them before podcasts and uh, we'll be able to talk about it a little bit, but still pretty interesting. Now, Quick side note on this win Clint's money thing that they talk about on the Fox broadcast. A couple weeks back, I was jumping for joy because I was thinking that I hit six for six and I was going to cash in on, you know, whatever the prize pot was. And it turns out like I, I was following it so closely and it turns out that I had only gotten five, you know, when it finally refreshed and everything, I got five of the six. And the one that I missed was how many cautions there were going to be. And it seems like they made it very ambiguous on how they handled the stage break cautions, because there were, I forget the number exactly, but let's just say there were five cautions um, up until that point. And that's what I chose. Well, when it was all over, they said that there were six cautions. And I'm trying to figure out like, are they counting that stage break at the very end as a caution, which is absolute bullshit because they're not calling that out ahead of time. So I was pretty pissed off about that. And then I was just kind of watching it in the most recent weeks and just kind of seeing that their questions are leaving room for some gray area. In my opinion, I don't know. Um, I don't know if anyone else had this experience. The lucky thing is I only would have won like 15 bucks because there was a ton of people that won. But in any case, it really rubbed me the wrong way and made me not want to play the last couple weeks. Um, we will be moving over to the NBC broadcast a couple weeks from now. I think Fox has the all-star race. And then after that, it switches over to NBC. Um, so we will get NBC's version of their free win some money app. And we're going to see how that plays out. Maybe we'll fill one out on the podcast as we do it. So uh, we'll be moving on and maybe I'll get this bad taste in my mouth and, you know, maybe win some money on the NBC side of things. We'll see. So looking forward to that. Um, and, you know, the all-star race, just to mention, you know, my plan right now is to not do a podcast for the all-star race because I am still bitter about the situation there and the, the structure of this. I think it makes it almost impossible to place money down on a driver with any confidence whatsoever. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, I'll probably at least throw something out there on social uh, just to get some sort of interaction with people um, to see if anyone has any thoughts of their own. But uh, in any case, that's if I don't have one out next week, that's probably why. Um, so yeah, that's, that's all we'll say about that. Now let's just quickly touch on the Belmont stakes because I had talked about the Derby and the Preakness earlier, 
throughout this season. And it just kind of sucks because we don't have a triple crown contender this year. So the Belmont takes the shit end of the stick every time that that happens. And there's so much less fanfare. It really just completely decreases, especially when there's no triple crown contender. But could be an opportunity for you if you're a racing fan of any kind, the, the wheels or the four legs. Um, there's only eight horses in this field, which is almost laughable. And there's a lot of names that we're used to seeing if you were paying attention to the Derby and the Preakness. Another really interesting thing is there's no Bob Baffert horses. So he had that situation with the steroids earlier. His horse did not win the Preakness. So he's kind of taking his ball and going home. Essential Quality was the favorite to win the Kentucky Derby. He's back now in the Belmont. He's going off as the heavy, heavy favorite. Two to one odds. He's going from the number two position. So that could be a, a quick easy money there in this small, small field for a very dominant horse. But just wanted to mention one horse in particular, Hot Rod Charlie. This horse has a great story behind it. He's the number four horse this week. His odds are seven to two. This is a family that lost their son to a drunk driver in the recent past. And that's what the horse is named after. Charlie is the the name of the son, I believe. And the reason why it's worth calling out this time is because they are from New York and this is essentially a home race, home track for them. So for this New York family to win the Belmont Stakes after this would just completely be a fairy tale situation. Um, so he's had eight starts in his career, two wins, one second, three thirds. So very much in play for your trifectas and seven to two odds, pretty good to you know, win the race as well. Um, so Hot Rod Charlie's one as the feel-good story that I'm clinging on to this week, the four-horse right in the middle of this eight-horse field. And then Known Agenda's back as well. He's six to one. Um, so I think the the two, the four, and the six, and my trifecta, you box that up. That would be my, my pick for the Belmont. Um, just some quick-hitting thoughts there on those guys um, to round out the Triple Crown season. So that'll wrap up another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast. Thanks for being with us this week. Go out and place those bets because I'm feeling pretty good about these values out there in Sonoma in wine country. We'll see what we can come back with. Remember, I'm not currently planning an episode next week for the All-Star Race, but pay attention at Full Tank Phil in case we make any updates out there. We'll come back strong for Nashville. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we will see you next time for a brand new track.